So uh, we're here in uh, chapter 5 of the book of Exodus now. Up until this point, we've been introduced to, to the character of Moses. We saw that, that Moses w- was born in Egypt to a, a Hebrew woman. We don't know her name. But we're told that he was uh, born in just a dark time. And in and, and a time where, where infanticide was ordered by the Pharaoh. Uh, because uh, Exodus chapter 1 tells us that Pharaoh saw the Hebrew, the Hebrew children. He saw the Hebrew people and he said that there were many in number. And he was fearful and he said, the Bible tells us this, that Pharaoh thought in his head, Man, one of these days, uh, one of our enemies is going to come in. They're going to do battle with us. And, and the Hebrew children, there's so many that, that, that we risk them joining our, our, our enemy forces. And, and defeating us in battle and being set free. And so we, we were told that what the what the Pharaoh did is that he ordered an infanticide of all the male Hebrew children. And so we're told that that every single uh, male Hebrew baby there there in Egypt was to be killed. Right? Now we're told that that that, that there was a Hebrew uh, uh, midwives over the, the, the women of of the nation of Israel and we're told that they feared God so they defied Pharaoh's orders and and, and, and they didn't perform this infanticide. Now many did. And we're told that, that that then this baby, this beautiful baby boy was born to his uh, to this woman and to this man from the tribe uh, of Levi. And we're told that that, that that this baby was just so beautiful in appearance that this woman, she couldn't uh, bear to kill her own child. She couldn't bear to do him any harm. And so what she does is that she sends it down the river. Uh, we've, all, we've all heard the story. We've all seen the movie, right? Uh, this baby ends up in the, ha- in the hands of the daughter of, 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 of uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt at the time. She adopts him as one of his own. And we're told that, that Moses grew up in Egypt for 40 years. And so for 40 years, he grew up in Egypt uh, as, as a commander there in Egypt. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that that that, uh, that Moses was actually a commander in war, a commander in battle. So he would go in and out of battle. He wasn't just this uh, prince who just sat around at the temple all day long. Right? No, he, he was he was in it. Right? He was he he was next in line to take the throne. He was already uh, being taught. He was being schooled. Uh, the, uh, the Bible tells us in Acts that, that Moses was schooled in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. That he was a mighty man of battle, and so. Now, Moses, no doubt, had in his mind that God was going to use him to deliver the children of Israel one day. Him knowing that, that, that they were his kinsmen, that they were his brethren, right? Because he was raised uh, by his mom at a young age, he knew that he, he had all that in mind. And he knew, he knew that one day God was going to use him to deliver the people, as he thought so, right? Now, Moses wanted to jump the gun, and we're told one day that he went out and he saw, he saw the affliction that was being uh, inflicted upon his people, and we're told that he saw uh, an Egyptian beating one of the Hebrew slaves. And so he goes in, he steps in, he actually kills the Egyptian. He buries him in the sand. And it's at that moment where he thinks, all right, that's it, man. They're all, that, this is the day. From, from today on, they're going to regard me as, as their leader. They're going to regard me as their deliverer. They're going to regard me as their king even. Right? Next day, we're told he goes out. He sees two Hebrews fighting. And he tells the, the guy who was doing the wrong. He says, hey, man, why have you wronged your brother? And what happens is, is that the tables turn and they say, well, are you going to kill us too? Like you killed the Egyptian? And immediately he realizes, oh, man, it didn't go out as I planned. And so we're told that, 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 uh, that Moses flees into the wilderness for 40 years. He ends up in a, in, in a land called Midian. He marries uh, one of, one of the, 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 the women there from, from Midian. And, it's, and he spends another 40 years there in the wilderness of Midian. And it's at those at the at the at the age of uh, at the age of eighty that God appears to Moses and He commissions him. He gives him a command. He says, "All right." He says, uh, "I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and I'm going to I'm going to send you to tell him let my people go." We're told that that Moses was was hesitant, right at first, and even throughout the whole, this whole ordeal, he was hesitant. 
Uh, keep in mind, he was an old man, right? He's been with the, with the, with the sheep for 40 years. Uh, all that wisdom and all that eloquence of, of, of tongue and of speaking and of language has, has gone from him, right? He hasn't spoken the Egyptian language in a long time. He probably hasn't sp- uh, even spoken the, the Hebrew language in a long time, right? He just feels uh, inadequate. He feels inept. He feels uh, unqualified. And so he begins to tell God, no, God, just I can't. I'm this, I'm that, and the other. And what if they say this? And what if they say that? And what if they don't believe me? And then finally he says, I just don't want to go, God. Send someone else. Send anyone else. And then we're told that, that, that God, he kind of you know, uh, bends to his, to his request. And he says, all right, look, I'm going to send your brother Aaron with you. And so we're told that, that God commissions both Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh and to tell him, all right, thus says the Lord, let my people go. And so we're going to read about Moses and Aaron's first encounter with the Pharaoh. And we're told there in, in, in Exodus chapter 5, it says this. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilence and with the sword. And verse 4 says, Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back, get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. He says that with an exclamation mark. He's yelling at them. And so, again, we left off with Aaron and Moses now gathering the elders of Israel and telling them of God's appearing to Moses, right? I mean, first of all, they had to get the people on board. And so uh, Moses and Aaron first go to the elders of Israel before going to the Pharaoh. They go to the elders of Israel and they say, look, you guys remember Moses? He's been gone for a long time. Uh, he's not dead. He's alive. God uh, appeared to Moses and, and, and the, the, the God of our forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob appeared to Moses and, and he's going to use Moses to deliver us. Right, and then we're told that Moses performs uh, miraculous signs um, uh, before the, the elders of, of Israel, and they all rejoice that God had looked on their reflection. They begin to worship the Lord, and so now they have this first encounter with Pharaoh. Now, notice how it says, "Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went." So this implies that it was immediately after speaking with the elders of Israel that they went and petitioned Pharaoh. Now you could just imagine the momentum, you know, that's that, that's that's that, that's pushing them, that's driving them. They just spoke to all the elders of, of Israel. They thought they were gonna, they thought they were going to reject them. They thought they were going to be hesitant, but instead, everyone was on board. Everyone fell to their faces and began to worship God. There's probably cheering, you know, loud cheering, loud yells, saying, "All right, yeah, let's do this now. It's finally time. Ooh, let's go, Moses!" Right? Everyone's cheering them on. There's just this huge momentum behind them, and so they get to Pharaoh and they say, "All right, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the God of the Hebrews. He's appeared to us in the wilderness. He says, let my people go." And Pharaoh says, "No way." So it's like, you could just imagine, right? They were probably all excited and riled up uh, after that awesome response from the elders. And, and in that excitement, they went to go speak to Pharaoh. I mean, they're probably uh, very confident that Pharaoh was, was going to budge and that God's word would be fulfilled to them at that very moment. But we see that their hopes and dreams were immediately crushed by Pharaoh's response. And, and I say that to say this, because sometimes we hear the Lord speak to us. Right? Sometimes like, we sense the Lord calling us to something. That like we're spending time in His Word. We've been sitting under the Bible study. It seems like every time we turn on the, the Christian radio, uh, radio station, we hear the, the pastor speaking about the same thing. You're like, man, I think God has placed this in my heart. I think God has called me to, to, to do this specific thing. And we get all excited because God speaks to us. And we think He's going to act a certain way. Right? Or do things a certain way. 
the way we think he, he's going to do it. But then we find out that God has other plans, right? Better plans. And we're like, man, it's, and, and it's like that, there's that initial crush of our spirit because we think, man, God didn't do it. But little do we know that, that God has other plans. And so for Moses and Aaron, again, they're going to Pharaoh with this momentum of, all right, man, everyone's on board. God just spoke to us. Before. You know, he hasn't appeared to anybody in 400 years. And he appears to Moses in the, in the wilderness, right? He has all these miraculous signs to show proof that, that God's backing him up. Right, uh, all the elders of Israel, all the nation of Israel, they're 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 backing him up, and boom, God doesn't work the way they thought He was gonna do it. You know, Moses and Aaron probably thought that Pharaoh was gonna say right away, "All right, you guys can go, go three days, go do whatever you're gonna do." Right, and they were gonna just rejoice. It was gonna be an awesome time. It was gonna be recorded for the rest of their history. But no, no, uh, we see that God's gonna do things different, uh, in a, a better way. And so we see that that Pharaoh's response was, "Who is the Lord that I shall obey, obey His voice and let the people go?" Now, remember, this would have taken great courage on their end uh, because Moses and Aaron, I mean, they're not just going up to talk to any ordinary person. They're, they're, they're going to go speak to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And in that culture, the Pharaoh of Egypt was, was considered and he was seen as, as the son of the sun god Ra. And so the, the Pharaoh himself would be worshipped as God. They would uh, offer sacrifices to Pharaoh as God. And that's what we're going to see later on when the, when the ten plagues come upon Egypt. And, and, it's, and it's the last plague, the plague of the death of the firstborn. We're going to see why there was so much lamenting in Egypt and why it just it struck Pharaoh so hard. Because for his firstborn son to die, it's like for them, one of their gods dying, right? Their, their very god dying. The next one who's going to take the throne, the next god who's going to be worshipped, just dying right before their eyes. And so it's going to hit him hard. And so here's Moses and Aaron. They're going up to, in their culture, speaking up to, to, to they're going to go speak to their own God, right? To, to the Egyptians' God. Now, Egypt had numerous gods. They didn't just have Ra. They didn't just have uh, Osiris. They didn't have, just have all these other gods that we hear about. They had numerous. I mean, they had hundreds of gods that they worshipped. And so in Pharaoh saying, who's the Lord that I should, that I should obey him? It's like he's, he's saying it in kind of a sarcastic way. Right, he's saying, you know, I've never heard of this Lord. He's not one of our gods. He's not. He's not on our inscriptions. He's not on our hieroglyphics. We don't have a, a pyramid after him. We don't have a, a you know, the, this the statue, you know, uh, uh, carved after him. We, we've never even heard of him, right? Now all of a sudden, Moses and Aaron come and say, the, the God of the Hebrews, right? Now keep in mind, uh, the the Pharaoh of Egypt is, is looking at them and saying, what? The God of these slaves, right? The, the God of, this, of these slaves wants me to let them go. He's like mocking. Uh, Moses and Aaron right to their face. Now, we're told that they, that they pleaded with Pharaoh a second time in that same conversation. Now, the first time, they only asked for three days off, right? They say, uh, they said, uh, uh, let us go three days into the wilderness, right? Into, into, into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. And so the first time, they only came to Pharaoh asking for three days off. They're like, man, just give us a three-day vacation. Give us a three-day weekend. Just, just give us some time off. We're, we're going to come back. That's all we need is just, it's just three days so we could go worship our God, offer sacrifices, and come back. And, and really, we see that, 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 that that's really God giving Pharaoh a chance to give in to the request. Because we see that God wants to deliver the children of Israel, but at the same time, He wants to save the Egyptians. Right? It's not that God loves the Hebrews and hates the Egyptians. It's not that, that God loves Moses and hates Pharaoh. No. You know, the Bible tells us that God desires for none to perish. Right? But for all to come to, to, to salvation, to that saving knowledge of himself. And so we see that even this is just God extending his mercy to Pharaoh. Saying, alright, look, I'm going to give you the easy option first. Just let him go three days. Alright, don't free him completely. Look, just give him a little break. Three days, they'll come back and they'll, and they'll work for you. 
And so again, this is, this is God giving Pharaoh a chance to give into the request. Right? He's, he's making it easy by asking for only a few days off and not a complete liberation. Now, what was Pharaoh's response? He says, get back to work. We see that he rejected Moses and Aaron's request. Uh, and he said, hey, it's, it's a good waste of time and it's a good waste of labor. He says, look, the people of the land are many now. And you make them rest from their labor. So to Pharaoh, it was more important to have these guys continue to produce, right? They're this factory, this, this 24-7 operating factory, right? It was more important to have these, these, these Hebrew slaves continue to produce and to uh, let them go three days into the wilderness to, to worship their God and come back and, you know, come back refreshed and continue working. And so we're going to see now what's going to happen there in verse 6. It says, so the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks that they, that they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. I mean, they're lazy. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on, on the men, that they may labor in it. And let them not regard false words. And verse 10 says, And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get yourself straw. Where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. And also, verse 14 says, The officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as before? And so we see now Pharaoh's Pharaoh's response to, to this request of Moses and Aaron to let the people go for, for three days and worship God. We're told uh, that Pharaoh makes it even harder for the people now, right? I mean, as if they didn't have it hard enough uh, as it is, right? They were already uh, being forced into slave labor probably seven days a week, right? They, they were already being forced to, to work for free. They were already, I mean, man, uh, uh, set these, uh, uh, working with, with, with these harsh taskmasters set over them. And now we see that, 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 that Pharaoh makes it even harder for them now. And we see that the Egyptians uh, would bring straw for the Hebrew slaves to make bricks. And so the Egyptians were completely just watching them and, and, and supervising them, right? Their job was to bring them straw. So they probably uh, bring them in the carriages with the horses. And so they would bring them the straw. They would provide the straw for the, for the Hebrew slaves. And the Hebrew slaves would make bricks out of them. And from these bricks, they would begin to, to build all these buildings and all these uh, monuments and statues there in Egypt. Now... We see that now we see that Pharaoh was making the Hebrews find their own straw while still having to meet their daily quota of bricks made. So in other words, he's giving them more work, but he is expecting the same results. Now we see we see Pharaoh just ruthlessly making their labor impossible to accomplish. That's the whole point, right? He's coming down on them. He knows what he's doing. He knows he's not dumb, right? He's been uh, uh, he's been uh, having the slave labor for a long time. He knows he knows exactly what he's doing, right? He he knows that he's making it harder on them. He knows that he knows that it's make, he's making it just near nearly impossible for them, right? He's being ruthless with them. What he's trying to do is that he wanted to crush their spirits and crush this this rebellion that that that, that has sprouted up, that had arisen. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to crush the spirits and crush this rebellion. And and by doing so, he's giving them just more work, right? He's trying to just get them so tired, so discouraged that they're just gonna say, you know what, man, that, that's it. It's not even worth fighting for. We see that every one of the Hebrews was feeling the pressure from the workers, from the lowest workers, all the way up to the foreman. And so we're told that the, that the Hebrew slave workers had Hebrew officials 
set over them, who in turn had Egyptian taskmasters set over them. And so it, it kind of looked like that, right? There was uh, the, the, the common workers, the common slaves, who were just the, the workers, and then they had Hebrew officers over them, and then, and then over the Hebrew officers were Egyptian taskmasters. And so everyone was feeling it from the lowest worker to the highest ranking officer amongst the Hebrews. Man, they were all getting beat and they were all, getting, they were, they were all feeling the pressure. And so we're told that Pharaoh gave him the reason, you know, for this hard command, for this harsh, harsh command. And we're told that, that, that Pharaoh says, hey, uh, fulfill your work, he says, because the people are idle, meaning the people are lazy. He says they have too much time on their hands, right? And again, uh, we see that, that Pharaoh is trying to crush their hopes and their aspirations, their, their hopes of ever leaving Egypt, their hopes of ever being free, their hopes of ever, ever uh, 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 seeing God's, God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ever fulfilled, their hopes of ever seeing their, 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 their own nation being established, their hopes of just uh, of going away and, and worshiping God freely. What Pharaoh's doing is that he's crushing every single hope and dream and aspiration that they had of that. Now, interesting because... Uh, in, in what's known as uh, biblical typology, you know the whole the whole Bible is full of uh, biblical typology, which is to say that there's certain instances, certain stories, certain places or people in the in the Bible that that, that are typical of a, of, a, of a spiritual truth or or, or 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 an earthly truth. Like for example, when we get to the book of Joshua, we see that that the children of Israel crossing uh, the Jordan into the Promised Land is is is, is typical or, or symbolic of the Christian. Uh, accepting Christ and just entering that that fullness of Christ, right, and that, and that fullness of the Spirit, and we know that because uh, Paul tells us there in the book of Hebrews, maybe, maybe Paul, wh- whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, right? but but the, it tells us that there in Hebrews chapter three and four, right, that 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 that, uh, that the children crossing the Red, uh, the the Jordan River into the into the city of Jericho into the Promised Land again is symbolic of just the Christians full rest in Christ, and so in biblical typology. Egypt represents the world. And the children of Israel represent uh, the, the child of God being set free from the world or from Egypt. Right? And, and so whenever we, we, we see this, the story of, uh, of, of Moses and the, and the children of Israel, the slaves here uh, in Exodus, uh, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and even in Joshua. You know, again, Egypt is, is, is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Right? And the children of Israel are, are a type of the, the believer now. And so... We see that for us when we're in the world and, and want to leave it and be set free from its bondage. The world doesn't let us go that easily, right? We see that that, that, that God sent Moses uh, to go speak to Pharaoh. He says, all right, let my people go. These people want to be free, right? And, and then being free and they, and they, go to, they go to Pharaoh. And what does Pharaoh do? He makes it hard on them. He makes it hard for them to leave Egypt. And the world makes it hard for a person to leave the world. It's like whenever, I don't know if you ever shared the gospel with somebody, you see someone uh, get saved and they start off well and it's like they just have that, that, that lure of the world that's just like pulling them back and they're fighting. You see them fighting. They're asking for prayer. You see just this internal battle going on, right? It shows outwardly and they're asking for prayer. They're, I mean, you could tell they're battling and eventually they just give in. And it's like, man, why? Because, because the world doesn't, doesn't want to give us up that easily. I don't know if you remember when you first came to the Lord. I mean, how hard it was. I mean, me, man, I remember for a whole, about a year and a half, I struggled. I struggled to just let go completely and, and just say, all right, I want to commit to the Lord fully. I want to just give Him my life. I, I said a prayer. I was going to church. and But it's like my, my heart, it, it was right here. Like the, the pull and the lure of the things of the world were just, man, we're just strong, right? And, and it's like the, the world's going to give us up, but not without a fight. Right? They have to because the Bible says that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so the world has to give us up. 
Why? Because Christ has, a, has authority over our lives, over our souls. But it's not going to do it without a fight. Right? The world is going to put up a fight. They're going to do, it's going to do whatever it can to make sure that you don't go, that you don't leave. And Satan is going gonna, is gonna to launch a direct attack on you, right? Whenever you want to leave uh, the world to now belong to Christ. And so we see that, that that's what's happening now with the children of Israel. That, that Pharaoh is just saying this direct attack on them. He's making it harder for them. He says, all right, you guys want to leave? I'm going to just make it impossible for you to leave. Now, sometimes, sometimes things get harder before they get better, right? That's, what, that's, that, that's the world and the prince of this world. You know, Satan, or being, you know, Satan being a type of Pharaoh, right? Not wanting to let us go and to, and to see us be set free. And, and, and really, again, that's, that's, what's, that's Satan's agenda, is that he doesn't want to see a person being set free. Being set free from what? From their bondage to sin, from their bondage to self, from their bondage to the, to the world, from their bondage to himself. Right? He doesn't want to see a person be set free. Uh, Paul tells us there in the book of First Corinthians, he says, people can't come to the world. Why? Because Satan, the prince of this world, has blinded their eyes so that they can't see. And so we see that, that, that he doesn't want to see people uh, set free. Right? And so Pharaoh doesn't want to see the children be set free. And he's doing everything he can to, to keep this from happening. And so it says there in verse 15, it says, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make break. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is, not, is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. And verse 20 says, Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who, st- who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge. Meaning, man, you guys really messed up this time. Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh, of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. And it says in verse 22, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought me here? Lord, why, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. And so we see that, that, uh, that now the, the Hebrew officers step in. Right? They can't take it anymore. Man, they're getting beat all night and day, all day long. Uh, from the oldest person to the youngest person. They're getting beat mercil- mercilessly. And so we see that now the Hebrew officers step in and on behalf of the people. Right? And, and they go talk to Pharaoh themselves and they say, Pharaoh, man, this is not fair. Right? You, you're, you're not giving us straw. And you're saying you, know, you guys have to produce the same amount, the same amount of bricks. It's not our fault. It's your guys' fault. They're not giving us bread. They're not giving us straw. And what does Pharaoh say? He said, no, man, you guys are lazy. He said, that's the whole problem. That you guys are lazy. And you don't want to work. That's why you want to leave. And so we're told that these officers leave Pharaoh's office. Right? They see Moses and Aaron standing there like, all right, how'd it go? And they just look at him and they say, man, man God judge you, man. <laughs> May the Lord judge you for what, for what you did to us. In a sense, they're cursing uh, Moses and Aaron. They're despising them. They're, 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 it's like they're saying, I wish you guys would have never came. You should have just stayed where you were, right? Why are you bringing this upon us? And so we see that the Hebrew officers, you know, again, they, they talk with Pharaoh. And they were upset at Moses and Aaron after their conversation with Pharaoh. Now, we see that Pharaoh's plan was working, right? Pharaoh's plan was working. He wanted to just get them so discouraged. He wanted to just come down on them so harshly that they were just going to turn on Moses and Aaron and, 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 and turn on this whole plan of just leaving Egypt. 
We see that Pharaoh's plan was working. The rebellion had seemingly ceased. And now the people were turning on Moses and Aaron. You know, their, their, their intercessors, their mediators. Now, in reality, what, what they're now thinking is, is that it was way better for them when they were just obedient slaves to Pharaoh. That's, that's what they're thinking. Like, man, it, it was better for us before you guys came. When in reality, it wasn't. I mean, they were still forced uh, to slave labor. They were still, you know, uh, uh, I mean, being uh, harshly mistreated. But yet, in comparison to, to what they're experiencing now, they're saying, man, it was way better for us back then, right? Now, when we see that the opposition and the obstacles have now blinded them to their real bondage. It's like that, that, it's like that, that old saying, you know, I don't know if you, if you guys have heard it, but it says, the ones that give you the sickness are the same ones that sell you the cure. Right? And, and really, that, that's what Pharaoh is doing. Is that he's making them, he's trying to get them to think, oh man, see, it was better before you guys tried to leave. Right? Before you try to rebel, before you try to leave, before you try to have your own freedom, right? You had it good, right? But in reality, I mean, they had it, I mean, they're, 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 they were worse off because they're still slaves. They still weren't free. But he's saying, all right, in comparison to what's going on now, hey man, you were just better off being obedient slave children to me, to Egypt. And really, that's how the world works. And that's how Satan works. Is that sometimes we step out, you know, when we want to just detach ourselves from the world and cling to the Lord. And, and, and if you've experienced this, you know, sometimes things get worse before they get better. It's like as soon as you, cut, you draw near to the Lord, boom, all these things just start happening. You start thinking, man, when I, was, when I wasn't even following Christ, when I wasn't praying, when I wasn't going to church, when I wasn't seeking God, it seemed like everything was fine. Right? My cars weren't breaking down. I had consistent work. There was money in the bank. Uh, there was nothing, you know, coming up, whatever. Right? No issues. It's like all of a sudden I come to the Lord and boom, boom, bam, bam. Things just start sprouting everywhere. And, but really what's, what's happening is that, is that, is that the, the enemy blinds us to really our, our spiritual condition. And we, and we forget that man, we're uh, spiritually dead in Christ. We're spiritually alienated from the promises of God. We're spiritually you know, completely outside of God's promises and, 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 and outside of, of His protection, outside of that, of that, of that beautiful gift of salvation. But it's like, you know, the enemy wants us, wants, wants us to focus on the exterior, right? on, the, on, the, on the now. Man, look at all the stuff that's happening. That wasn't happening when I, when, I was, when, I, when I wasn't going to church or when I wasn't seeking the Lord. And so that's what's happening with the children of Israel is that now all of a sudden they're like, man, it was way better for us when we were just obedient, slave to Pharaoh and not seeking our freedom. And so what, he, what Pharaoh's trying to do is that he's, getting to just, he's trying to get them to just uh, give up their own freedom. And, and it's working. It's working, right? And so we're told that, that Moses... When he hears this, he goes up to the Lord and he says, Lord, why did you even send me here? Lord, what am I doing here? Right? He was discouraged. And, and rightfully so. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? There he is. He's minding his own business for 40 years in the wilderness. He had already given up his whole plan of, right, God's going to use me. All right, that, that's out the window. He had forgotten, but he had long forgotten about that. He was already comfortable. You know, he, he had his family. He had his wife, his two kids. He had the, his, his, his sheep. Right, he he had his 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 little business. He had his own little life. He's like, all right, man, life is good. Now all of a sudden, God appears to him and says, "All right, Moses, I got a mission for you." He's thinking, "Man, God, why'd you even call me? Why'd you even appear to me? Why'd you even send me, Lord? Are you even with me? You said you you were gonna do this, and you never followed through." And so we see that he was discouraged. Yet he had forgotten what the Lord told him at the beginning of the of the commission. There in Exodus four twenty one. Just a chapter before, you guys could, 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 uh, could read it yourself. Nexus 4.21, God, as he's commissioning Moses, you know, he's talking to him. He's talking, all right, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. You're going to do all these signs. And then God tells him this. He says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will not let the people go. And so Moses had already forgotten what the Lord told him. I mean, I mean the Lord warned him about this. 
right? And for us as well. Sometimes, again, we're seeking the Lord. We're, we're just trying to walk with God. We're trying to please God. We're trying to just be obedient to Christ. We're trying to just, you know, get plugged in. And it's like we, we start having tribulations, start having trials, start having all these hardships. And we get into our own little pity party. Lord, why, why this is? Why this? Why me? Why me? Why, right? And we forget that the Lord told us, hey, in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And it's like the Lord gives us the heads up before, before it comes, so that when it comes, we can be ready. But Moses had completely forgot about what the Lord told him. And so we see that Moses, that, that, that God's going to remind Moses. Now, Moses couldn't see, but God had a, a bigger picture in mind. You know, if God wanted to, I mean, think about it. God is almighty. He created the world in seven days. Uh, he created uh, the heavens, the earth, you know, everything that we see around us with just his breath, right? Just by speaking it into existence. If God wanted to, he could have freed the people that very moment. Right? He didn't need Pharaoh's help. He didn't need Moses' help. He for sure didn't need Aaron's help. He didn't need anybody's help. He could have just done it right there and then. Right? But he didn't. We see that God wanted to teach the people something in the process. Right? He didn't want it to just be something fast, quick, and that's it. Right? He, he, he wanted to teach the people something in the process of it all. Right? He wanted to teach them uh, how to surrender to him, how to trust him, how to hear from him. And, and that only comes by experience, right? Uh, hearing from God is not something that you can learn in a book. Uh, knowing God is not something that, that you, I mean, the Bible, right? We know, the, we know God through the Bible, but it's not something that, that someone else can teach you. I can't say with you and say, all right, this is how you know God, right? Um, experiencing God, surrendering to God. I mean, it's not something that, that, that I mean, all these things help, books help, but really you got to be in it. Right, and, and you gotta just walk it. You gotta just walk the walk and talk the talk. You gotta, you have to experience it for yourself. Right? I can't teach you devotion to God. Uh, I can't, you know, no one can teach me devotion to God. I can glean from someone else's devotional life. I can, I can, I can uh, learn from someone else's devotional life. But really, my relationship with God is gonna grow as I spend time with God. Right? My knowledge of God is gonna grow as as I spend time with God. My love for God is gonna grow as I get to know God. Right, my, my 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 experience with God is going to grow and it's going to mature as as I as I spend time with them, and so what God wanted to do more than just uh, give these people freedom, more than just fulfill a promise to Abraham, more than just use Moses, more than just you know uh, show himself to Pharaoh. Also, what he wanted to do is that he wanted to teach the children of Israel, he wanted to teach the the, the nation of Israel, you know how to know them, right? How to surrender to him, how to trust him, how to hear from him. I mean, and that's something that, that they just had to go through it. They had to go through it. For us also, God is always desiring to teach us in our walks with Him through the desert, dry places. Right? We see that God was going to teach them, not just in that very moment, but it was just a continual God teaching the people. As we, as we read through the whole book of Exodus, uh, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, even the book of Joshua, we see that God is teaching them as they're in the dry wilderness place. He could have sat them down by a river with fruitful trees. Said, all right, guys, sit down. I'm going to teach you some stuff. No, he had to take them to the desert. He had to take them through, through those dry places. And for us in our spiritual walks, hey, sometimes it's through those dry seasons that God wants to teach us you know, the, most, uh, the most important things, right? The most influential things, the most uh, 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 impacting things in our lives. We're going to learn them. We're going to see them as we're with God in those dry seasons, in those dry places, in that wilderness, in that desert. And that's what God is doing with the children of Israel. Right? He wants to teach him in the desert. And so he's going to teach him uh, to trust him, how to hear him, how to surrender to him, right? And how to trust his timing. Not their timing, but his timing. And so it goes on to say there in, verse, in chapter 6, I mean, 
verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Notice that. That first uh, uh, Moses goes up to, uh, to, to God and says, God, he doesn't want to let them go. God's saying, all right, look, not, not only is he going to let them go, he's going to drive them out. He's going to be kicking them out of Egypt. And we're going to see that God's word is going to be fulfilled towards the end of the book uh, as, they're, as they're exiting Egypt. Uh, what does Pharaoh say? He says, hey, just get out of here, man. Just leave. I don't want to see you. Just go. Right? And so we see that God's word is going to be fulfilled and he's going to do exceedingly abundantly above what Moses even thought that, that God could do. God, Moses in his mind, he's thinking, all right, he's thinking God's going to free us. He's going to let us go, right? Barely. And what God's going to do is that, no, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make the Egyptians chase him out, right? And the ark is literally going to chase him out. And so verse 2 says, And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their, of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out, of, out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Notice that, that, that seven times God didn't tell him, I am the Lord and, and I will, I will, I will. Seven times God doesn't say, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to give you the inheritance. I'm going to uh, show myself to you. Seven times, I will, I will, I will, I will. And he says, because I am. And so what God is telling Moses, he's saying, look man. He says, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac. And to Jacob as God Almighty. He says, but by my name, Lord. Now when it says there, by my name, Lord, there in verse, in, in verse 3. Uh, we have in our English Bibles the word Lord. But th this word Lord is actually, you know, the Hebrew, what, what we know as Yahweh. Uh, there is no direct uh, translation to the English, right? Just this abbreviation. But when, when, when the Bible translators, you know, when the, whenever uh, the, the, the Lord's name, Yahweh, comes up, uh, the, the name Yahweh is so holy that they don't even uh, write it out. So they just put Lord Adonai, right? And so there, there's a word for Lord in Hebrew that's Adonai, but this one specifically is, is, is Yahweh. And so what God is telling Moses is that, look, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as, as, as Lord Almighty, but even they didn't know me as, as Yahweh by my personal Name in which I'm revealing myself to you. That's amazing. That's amazing. At, at the end of the book of Exodus, there's a verse. At the end of the book, I forgot uh, exactly what verse, but it's the last chapter. And it says this about Moses. It says, and neither was there any man uh, uh, on the earth like Moses, after Moses or before Moses, you know, and whom God called a friend. Right? And so it says that about Moses, that, that, that God called Moses a friend. Right? And we see that, that, that God reveals himself to Moses in a way that Abraham never saw, in a way that, that Isaac never saw, in a way that Jacob never saw. Right? We're going to see later on as they're there in the wilderness, uh, Moses is going to be with, with the Lord. They're up in the mountain. He's going to say, Lord, I want to see your glory. And God's like, no, no way, man, you'll die. He's like, Lord, I just want to see your glory. And God's like, no, man, you're going to die. 
And Moses says, Lord, I just want to see your glory. And God says, all right, you can see the backside of my glory. And we're told that, that, that Moses has the, the blessed privilege of seeing the backside of God's glory. And as he's coming down the mountain, we're told that, that he's, he's just, uh, he's shining bright. He's shining bright. His face is shining bright right? from, from, from the glory of, of God's radiance just, just, uh, just shining up upon him. When he's coming down the mountain, everyone sees him and his face is just shining. Man, Moses was, was a blessed man, right? But we see that God is just reassuring Moses. Look, man, he says, I appear to your forefathers, but not like this. He says, they, 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 they saw me, they knew me, but not like this. He says, you're going to see me in a different way. You're going to see me in a more personal way. Right, man, if that's not confirmation, if that, that's not uh, uh, affirmation, if that's not, man, comforting, I don't know what it is. You know, sometimes we just need to hear that in our lives. As we're walking with the Lord, we need to take the time to spend, uh, uh, spend time with God and just hear His promises, you know, and, and make a ours. Make a ours. You know, when God says, hey, man, I, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Hey, take that promise and make it yours. Believe it. Believe it to the fullest. Because God really is meaning, is meaning what he says. Right? And so we're told again that now he's telling him, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to show myself to you. I'm going to do all these things. And verse 10 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Go in. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How, how shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So we're told now he's going he's, he's gonna, he's gonna to send them back to Pharaoh a second time now. The first time was a bust. They went, Pharaoh right away said, nope, no way, man. You guys are just lazy. There's no way you're leaving for three days. Now Moses is going to come back, you know, speaking for God. And he's going to say, all right, uh, we asked for three days. Now you just got to let us go completely. And God is saying, let my people go completely. Right. And then in between, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of weird. You know, in between like this awesome story we have, uh, God speaking to Moses, right. He's telling them, I will deliver you these, these seven I wills. We see uh, God reveal himself to, to Moses as the I am, you know, as Yahweh. And then we have like this break in between where, where Moses just includes to us this genealogy. And it's kind of a, it seems kind of out of place, but just keep in mind that that that, that this book right here was to be was to be uh, read out loud to the Jews, right? And and as they're hearing this story, you know, they're hearing they're hearing of Moses uh, uh, being commissioned by God, they're hearing of, of Pharaoh uh, uh, rejecting their request, and then they're hearing of, of Moses going back and talking to God and God revealing Himself, you know, again to Moses in this special, unique way. You know, you can imagine the, the Jews, the Hebrews hearing this, being read out loud, wondering, man, I wonder if that's accurate. Or who is this Moses? You know, like I would, would reveal himself to him. And so I can imagine, I, I don't know if that's exactly for sure, but I can imagine that this is why uh, Moses, Moses included this genealogy. And so we're just going to read through this genealogy briefly. I'm, I'm going to skip some of the verses because some of the names are, are really hard to pronounce. But it says, these are the heads of, the, of their father's houses. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanok, uh, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These were the families of Reuben. And then we have the, the, the sons of Simeon. And then, uh, then we have the names of the sons of Levi. Uh, verse 16, it says, according to their generations, uh, Gershon, Kohath, Merari, and the years of the life of Levi were 137. The sons of Gershon were Libni and Shimi, according to their families. And the sons of Kohath were uh, Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel. And the years of the life of Kohath were 133. And the sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. And these are the families of Levi according to their generations. And now, 
it's going to just continue to go down the line and, and mention uh, uh, all their names, right? Just going down the family tree and just pick it up right there in verse 25. It says, Eliezer, it says, Eliezer, Aaron's son, took for himself one of the daughters of Putiel, his wife, and she bore him Phineas. And these are the heads of their father's households uh, of the Levites, according to their families. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And so again, <laughs> keep in mind, you know, this is a... Uh, Hebrew literature that, that we're reading, right? This is Jewish literature. And, and one of the commands in the book of uh, Deuteronomy is that uh, uh, the Lord tells Moses, right? This, this book of the law shall not depart from, from your lips. It shall not depart from your mouth. Right? But you're to, you're to teach it to your kids. They're to teach it to their kids. And they're to teach it to their other kids, right? To, to their kids. And in other words, all right, man, you're to study this book. You're to read it out loud, right? And so again, you could imagine as these new generations are, are being brought up and they're hearing about all these stories, and they hear God reveal himself, you know, in this uh, holy, you know, unique way to Moses and, and to Aaron and to commission Aaron. They, they're, again, they're probably thinking, man, well, why are they so special, right? Are they, are, can we be sure that, 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 that they're even part of, the, of our lineage, right? Are they descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And so that's why, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing that's why, that's why Moses included this genealogy, right? Because it says, these are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. And so it says there in verse 28, And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? All right? And we'll stop right there. We'll stop right there. We'll pick it up next week. But man, just so much going on. One thing that, that I just love about, about Moses, right, is that we see from the very beginning that he was hesitant. Right? We have all these awesome stories of other prophets and other people that God called them. Like, all right, Lord. Right? I mean, we have the story of, of, of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah there in Isaiah chapter 6. He sees this vision of God, right? He, he hears God say, whom shall we send and who shall go for us? And he said, here am I, Lord. Send me. Right? That was, that's pretty valiant. That's pretty brave of him. And then we have, we have, we have uh, guys like, like Moses who are like, man, Lord. No way, I can't speak, right? I'm, I'm slow speech, I'm, I'm slow tongue, right? I'm, I'm nobody, I've been in the wilderness for, um, the desert with sheep for 40 years. And he says, all right, well, what of this, what of that? He's doubtful, he's hesitant, and then he's just plainly uh, uh, rejecting, he's reluctant. He says, God, I don't want to go. He tells God, I, I just don't want to go, that's it, bottom line, I just don't want to go. Send anybody else, send someone else, anybody else. Right? And so we see the, the, the beauty of this is that, is that God's grace, right, covers... Our mistakes and covers uh, uh, our shortcomings, because God could have just said, "All right, Moses, get out of the way. Let me just use Aaron. Let me just, let me just use someone else from the tribe of Levi. Let me just use uh, someone else more willing, you know, someone else more obedient, right? Maybe let, let me use someone else who, who does want to go, who does want to be used, who does want to have their, their name written down in the Bible for for forever, right? And, and and be regarded as a prophet. No, but instead he says, "He's all right, Moses. Let's go, man. Let's go." Right, even though you don't want to go, even though you're reluctant, right? Let's go. I'm not gonna give up on you. I'm gonna continue using you, right? Let's go. You're a work in progress, and, and I love that about the Lord because, like Pastor Chuck would always say, that God doesn't call the qualified, you know, but He qualifies the called, and that's just man. I, I've seen that. I, I've seen that to be so true in my life, especially in this last season, right? That God usually calls like the least qualified person, or the thing, the person that we think is least qualified, right? 
and, and, and as we're walking with them, as, as, we're, as we're just growing with them, and we see us, we see, uh, us growing our calling. And awesome that as we just follow the story of Moses, we see that in the very beginning he was reluctant, he was hesitant, he didn't want to go. But as he's just obeying the Lord step by step, you know, he's taking these, these little steps of obedience. All right, uh, Moses, go do this. All right, Lord. All right, go to this. All right, Lord. Now do this. All right, Lord. And, and it's like we get to see this man grow in his faith and grow in his walk. And it wasn't overnight. All right? It was a process. And for us, too, it's, it's a process. Don't be discouraged if you've been walking with the Lord for X amount of years and you think, man, I'm not doing what that guy's doing. Or, man, I'm not doing what she's doing. Man, I see her on the YouTube videos. Man, I see them. You know, I hear his voice on the recordings. And, man, they've only been walking with, with the Lord for so long. And, man, I've been walking with the Lord for this long. Or I've been doing this thing. Or I graduated Bible college. Or I, whatever. Right? You fill in the blanks. Don't be discouraged. Right? Our, our, our walks with, our, with, our growth, with, with the Lord and our relationship with the, with the Lord is a step-by-step obedience. Right? It's a step-by-step uh, growth process. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and, and Moses is a perfect example of this. And yet Moses is regarded as one of the greatest prophets right? in, in Judaism and well, Christianity too. I mean, we see him as a prophet. And even in, in Islam, right? the three major religions of the world regard Moses as one of the greatest prophets. And yet we see that he had this shaky start. Lord, I don't want to go. Lord, I can't speak. Lord, just send someone else. Lord, I don't want to go. Bottom line. Right? And we see just God's grace extended to Moses. And, and God using Moses, right? Despite his failures, despite his inabilities, right? This, and, and despite his unwillingness even. But God, hey, man, he didn't give up on Moses. And he's not going to give up on us. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much, Lord. For